Welcome to Beauty Superstars Talk, your backstage pass to experts in beauty. My name is Mickey Wright, and each and every week I have the privilege to interview Black beauty bosses who are doing amazing things in the beauty industry. We give voice to their stories and celebrate their excellence while they drop nuggets to help all of us become better beauty pros and better entrepreneurs. More than a podcast, this is a movement to encourage Black excellence, entrepreneurship, to preserve our history, and to bring healing to the beauty industry. It's been said, if you want to be the best, you have to hang out with the best. As someone who went from struggling hairstylist to winning awards, becoming an educator, and owner of one of the 200 fastest growing salons in the country, I am committed to bringing you the tips, tricks, and secrets of success from the best the beauty industry has to offer. So if you love beauty, business, and peeking backstage like I do, let's go. I want to welcome you guys to Beauty Superstars. This is actually Beauty Superstars Talk. And my name is Mickey Wright. I'm a salon business coach and I'm the founder of the Beauty Superstars Online Academy. Also, Beauty Superstars Talk. And I really want to take some time on a regular basis to really celebrate the excellence that we have within our industry and particularly with Black artists and, you know, really a safe platform to document our history, to celebrate our triumphs, and to create a path for others to follow. So with all of that said, I'm extremely honored to have Mr. Roderick Samuels here tonight. It's like, let me just tell you a little bit more about Roderick Samuels. It's like, you may know him or you may be wondering, it's like, what's all the buzz about? Because he's so, uh, (laughs) got so much going on. And it's like, absolutely one of my favorite people in the industry and a fellow Detroiter. I will say that. He is a very talented barber. He's an educator, has been educating on a national stage for many, many years, does a phenomenal job, um, works with all textures of hair. Uh, It's like he also is an educator in terms of working with students. And I understand that there's actually an anniversary today or somewhere in this vicinity of the Hair Lab Academy. Is that accurate? Yeah. So yesterday uh, marks our our one year anniversary of Hair Lab Detroit Barber School. You know, we we're just super excited to be one in a number, and um, you know, it's just a real good time. You know, right now for education and for inspiring the next generation of leaders in our industry. You know, I I preach to <laughs> I don't speak to my students. I preach to them daily. Um, <laughs> That, you know, my job as a leader is to create more leaders. So, you know, our our curriculum is very diverse. We teach social media marketing. We teach business training. You know, as of lately, one of the things that that Lauren, my wife, has been, been teaching is structuring your business. And I know that you do a lot of that as well. With what happened with COVID, you know, for a lot of independent contractors, um, a lot of people were left out of being able to get unemployment insurance. So what we're doing right now from a grassroots perspective is, you know, teaching our students about setting up business accounts, making sure that they know and understand why it's so important to pay themselves, but also pay taxes. So that when something like this comes up, you know, God forbid it does, but if something like this were to ever come up again, they'd be fully equipped. They could get unemployment insurance, but also, you know, business insurance and, and, and investing in themselves, you know, we're trying to get some of our students to to start, you know, investment portfolios, you know, just, you know, with, with the tip money that they get from service and clients. So, Absolutely. you know, it's kind of all inclusive. And, and for the most part, you know, our education and what my wife and I, 
you know, really work hard to instill in our students is a lot of the things that we weren't taught when, when, when we went through our apprenticeships and stuff like that. I think one of the reasons why we're so passionate about what we do is because we did apprenticeships. My, my wife and I both did apprenticeships, but we also saw the gaps in what people were learning and, you know, being in a position to now hire young and upcoming barbers and stylists, we just noticed that the level of professionalism wasn't there. You know, people would show up to interviews and tank tops and, and, and flip flops, you know, and I'm like, well, you know, you're not interviewing for a surf shop. You know, you're interviewing for the, the, the personal appearance industry and we have a standard. So we just really wanted to put a focus on building, you know, great barbers and stylists uh, that can actually take the lead and become the next industry leaders. Yeah, well, I, I absolutely love that and I applaud you. And I definitely want to dive more into the school aspect, but I had some other things I wanted to to talk with you about as well. Sure. And you mentioned your wife, Lauren, and um, for anyone that doesn't know, Lauren Moser Samuels, I think I'm pronouncing that all right. That is good. Um, <laughs> and I just have to say, I think you guys had like the best industry wedding ever. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Can you, you, you share you. with us a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. Big shout out to uh, to my friend and my brother, Stephen Gomez. You guys share classrooms when we do hair shows and stuff a lot. He's a business coach as well. Yeah. Um, but a lot of people don't know he's also an ordained minister. So we were doing a West Coast stint. We did the Taylor Andrews schools, which is one of our partner schools as well out in uh, Salt Lake City, Utah. Big shout out to Larry Curtis, who is the, the owner there. And, you know, we we were just like, man, you know, when, when we, we got engaged in London during the, of course, a hair show, um, <laughs> that was the year that I was nominated for an AIPP award for my men's collection. I proposed to her while we were in London, of course, like I said, at a hair show. And while we were on the West Coast, you know, we sat down and we were like going through lists of family and all this other stuff. And I'm like, man, babe, you know, we still got to live after this. You know, we, we, we talking about some heavy cash, you know? <laughs> so uh, make a long story short, Stephen agreed to uh, to marry us. And of course, you know, we were going out to the ISSC show at the time. So he contacted PBA and, you know, we're big advocates of PBA. You know, Lauren and I are state captains for the state of Michigan for the Professional Beauty Association. Okay. And they allowed us to use the Naha stage for our wedding. And, and it was a great time because I was also nominated for Men's Hairstylist of the Year for the North American Hairstyling Award. So our passion and labor of love just always comes through hair, you know. Right. So um, so we we got the stage uh, right before the, the Naha Awards and, and Steve officiated it. And, you know, it, it's one of those it's one of those things where it's just so memorable, but also, you know, just just the connections and the relationships that you have in the industry are so pertinent to your success and things that you are able to accomplish in your career. So we're just grateful. And um, actually, our wedding anniversary is coming up um, next month. It'll be three years. So wow. um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It'll yeah. be three years that, that that we've been married. So, and it's been awesome. You know, I can honestly say marrying your best friend, but also your business partner. Um, one of the best decisions I've ever made in my life because, you know, she knows my work ethic. She knows my drive. I know her work ethic and her drive. But at the end of the day, you know, we also understand how to separate business and our personal relationship. So when we come home, you know, like I was rushing because I came home and I cooked dinner and washed dishes and stuff like that. And I'm like, what time is it? I got to be home with Mickey, <laughs> you know? So, but we also have have two children. So juggling our careers, as well as our personal life, as well as our children and quarterbacking them through music and concerts and all that other stuff, man, I, I, I just couldn't ask for a better partner. Yeah, I think that's um, so wonderful that you shared all of that because, you know, it's like we are people outside of our industry. 
And it is great, you know, when you have someone that understands whether they're in the industry or not in the industry that, you know. So true. So main. true. I tell people all the time, I said, we're, we're not Hollywood, we're neighborhood. Okay. You know, we still, <laughs> we still we still got bills. And, you know, even though you may see us in a magazine or at a hair show and stuff right. like that, when we get to our home, it's still business as usual. So so it, it's been great. Yeah, cooking and dishes and all those good things. Girl, <laughs> listen, you don't even understand. Big Chicken is ready right now, you know. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, but I, I think that's one of uh, one of the pieces. It's like I'm always looking for nuggets. I think success leaves clues. And it's like, I think that some of those things, you know, that seem like, you know, just kind of a by the way conversation are really kind of critical to being able to persevere and to be able to excel. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And you mentioned networking. Tell us how we can navigate that. I think for some people, it's really easy, you know, meeting people and asking for entry into certain things or, you know, shadowing or any of those kind of things. What would you say as far as your experience has been with with networking? That's actually a really great question. Um, I kind of live by the rule of yes before no. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, people people are afforded certain opportunities and it's so easy for us just to say no. Would you assist? You know, people think that they're above assisting. But when you want to actually get into a realm or when you see people that are successful and you want to get an opportunity to get to do what they do, you have to start at the ground level. So whether that be assisting or, or, or just, I mean, number one, just showing up at a show to get additional education. You know, I think a lot of times, you know, especially for the African-American community, we don't feel welcomed at a lot of shows unless it's a Bronner. And, you know, I was so disappointed when they got, a, you know, when they did away with Proud Lady, one of my most favorite shows to go to, number one, because I love Chicago and, and right. eating pizza. Um, <laughs> but also, you know, but also to see the Midwest come together as a collective of artists and, and hairdressers and barbers uh, to, to, to actually have a place where, you know, where everybody feels welcomed and, and we were there for education. So that's number one. The second thing is, um, I believe that opportunities don't go away to go to someone else. So my mom and dad used to always tell me closed mouths don't get fed. So if there's somebody out there that you that you see uh, as a mentor, whether it be digitally or, you know, someone who, you know, in person, when you have that opportunity, you have to go out and speak and tell them, you know, what your aspirations and what your dreams are. And nine times out of 10, you know, everybody in the beauty industry, we're, we're just super nice, you know? And um, we also have some people that aren't super nice too. Let's, let's, let's be clear. But for the most part, my experiences have always been very well received. You know, I think there's a certain level of humility that goes into asking for certain things and, and, and wanting to be more involved in developing yourself personally, number one, but also developing in your career. I think that personal development piece is one that unless you're, you know, blessed and fortunate to go to a school like, you know, like Hair Lab, unless you're fortunate to find great mentors to work with, especially when you're new to the industry, that that can be a challenge. Any suggestions for how to develop ourselves as people? Because I think that's such a big part of the success of this industry? My daughter doesn't consider it to be reading, but, you know, in our busy lifestyles, my drive to work, I always listen to audiobooks. Very rare do I turn on the radio or turn on music. Um, I like to listen to audiobooks. So to this point, I'm up to reading about two books a month through Audible. And it's just on my commute, you know, back and forth. And, and it's conditioning my mind. Like when you work in a school 
business, people are excited about what you're excited about. So I'm making my point every day when I walk through those doors at Hair Lab that I have a, an amazing mental, you know, mental attitude. I always have a smile on my face. My students will tell you I, I dance, I'll jump up on the chairs, I'll do a bunch of wild stuff because I, I also want them to be excited about their education and what this industry could actually bring to them. I just think it's just really, really important to to read books and to 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 listen to podcasts and to videos like this because you know and anybody who's ever taken any of my classes or or read any of my posts you'll always hear me lead off with that education is not an option in our industry it is a must and you know education for a lot of other people out there right now is also so 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 important because you know, I think that some of the things that we have going on in the world right now is because of lack of knowledge. It's because of lack of understanding. You know, if you watching TV and the imagery and the, the optics that you see of African-American people is always a cop car or jail or something like that. That's what your perception of those people are going to be. So many times I, I've been told, you know, you're not like a regular black guy. And I'm like, well, you know what? I you know, let me rob a store. I'll show you exactly how how much of a regular black guy I can be. You know what I mean? So it's it's. I think it's just you know really just developing yourself and wanting to be a better person, wanting to be a better stylist, and then all of those things will fall in line, and those doors will open up for you for those opportunities. You know, so if I can challenge anybody out there, if there's things that in the industry that you want to do, it doesn't matter what the color of your skin is. It really is contingent upon what you want to do and how much sacrifice you're willing to make to get to that next level. And unfortunately, Mickey, you know, you know, like I do, we've had conversations about this before. Most people like to make excuses and nobody wants to make an effort. So it, it really goes into making the effort and, and want to be a better person and, and, and making an effort to, to get your face out in front of these people so that they can see your value and so that they can see that you're just not you know, a traditional barber or a traditional stylist, you know, you've taken your your knowledge and your your industry experience and created a business model for it. And not only that, but now you're helping other stylists and barbers all across the world to live out their dreams and live out their best dreams. And you couldn't do that if you didn't have a positive mental attitude, mm -hmm. if you didn't have, you know, a, a certain level of humility, but also, you know, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. It could be a crowded hair show hall and you will dip and dodge and do whatever you need to do to find us and just to say hello. And you know, we're both very, very busy, but we always share a smile. We give each other a hug. Right. What's going on in Detroit? What's going on in Carolinas? You know what I'm saying? Because we, we, we also have that connection as well. But that's the thing that I think that a lot of people are missing. It's being present. Mm -hmm. It's being present. It's coming to the shows. You know, everybody can go and do whatever they want to do. But if you really want to take your career to the next level, it starts with next level thinking, but also next level training. Yeah, absolutely. And you just shared like so many things. I'm just like, my mind is like, ooh. <laughs> you know, I talk a lot. You know, my dad is a preacher. So normally before he gets up to, 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 to preach a sermon, he'll tell the congregation, he'll say, well, listen, I don't want to make you happy twice. Happy to see me get up and happy to see me sit down. Okay. So, <laughs> so, so I'm trying to roll a bunch of, of, of information up into one time. But so excuse me if I'm if I'm going. Over. No, no, I love it. It's like it, it's exciting, and it's like your your energy, of course, is contagious. Thank you. But, um, Thank you. You mentioned Audible, so it's like I would just want to give people another option, or maybe a couple other options for like Audible has a monthly charge, I believe. But um, one of my favorite apps, I have two of them. They're library apps. 
and you can get all of these um, audio books, regular books. Some of them have movies and music as well. And it's absolutely free. You know, you just have to be, you know, part of your library or what have you. But one is called Hoopla, H-O-O-P-L-A, for anybody who's looking for like, well, how can I access this stuff? And of course, you know, obviously we all know about YouTube, that there's a lot of information on there. So it's kind of a, a matter of sorting through and maybe finding an author because there's some ebooks and stuff that are on there, audio books. The other library app that I love is called Libby, L-I-B-B. I've heard. Why? And so I love those because there's so much on there. Um, and so that's an option. So if you're looking for something that's no cost and you want to get your mind right. Free is uh, good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> those are some great options. You mentioned some things about racism and about, you know, being a black man. And it's like, I, I definitely want to, especially in this climate to you know, just address what has your experience been? You know, it's like you have excelled to some tremendous heights in this industry, but to assume that it's been kind of an easy climb, I think would probably not be accurate. You tell us what's that been like for you? I can honestly say that I've been fortunate to to meet some people that honestly didn't look at me for the color of my skin, but for the value that I brought to the industry. And I won't go into names because those people, they know who they are. I sing their praises all the time. I speak to them at least, you know, a couple times a week. But yes, you know, I I think that in, in a lot of arenas, there is a lot of divide in, you know, hiring or giving a seat at the table for a lot of African-American barbers and stylists. I know personally for myself, I've had several experiences where I've applied for certain positions and, and I didn't get them. I asked these questions, you know, after after I hear, you know, that someone else has been hired or whatever the case may be, I always go back to whomever is doing the hiring and I always ask, you know, well, you know, well, what was it in my resume or, or whatever the case case maybe that wasn't attractive or or something that I can do better because of course I mean at the end of the day I want to be better because of the self-development I want to be better and I want to put myself in a position to where if there's an opportunity for me in leadership I want to make sure that, that I'm there and you know there comes a time where the first time you know you, you apply for a position with a company and and you don't get it you know it's like okay you know that's fine you know what I mean I'll continue to work you know a blessing delayed is not a blessing denied so you work with that and then the second time comes around and you get contacted by a headhunter and you send out the the the, the resume and, and they're coaching you through exactly how your resume needs to look, what you need to say. Like I, I've dealt with some really, really great headhunters in the past. That's like Roderick. You know what? You, you're you're awesome. You know you, you're a perfect fit. You you've worked for manufacturers before. You've worked for publishing companies, media houses. So I don't see why this is a thing. And then I didn't get that job either. Another opportunity comes about, and and one of these opportunities I've gotten looked over for a job on three different occasions. And it was very disappointing. It comes a point because it it's ebbs and flows, right? There's an ebb and there's a flow. It comes to a point where you start to question yourself and question like, well, you know what? You know, what is it that I'm that I'm not doing? Like I've worked for this company, I've worked for that company, I've helped to write curriculum, I helped to start barber programs in high schools and 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 helped to write curriculum for that. And and I'm doing business development for all of these companies. So I have relationships that actually can help any company grow. I cut both textures of hair. I'm personable, you know. I, I mean, you can send me anywhere. You can send me to a predominantly white cosmetology school, but you can also send me to the predominantly black school and in the hood and I can still make an impact because of my experiences and just my love for education. So it comes to a point where you just think, well, you know, is it because I'm black? 
Is it because these companies don't want to have a black face in the corporate setting? And at the end of the day, and I've talked to all of my mentors, white, black, men, women, and they too are very baffled at why these companies aren't willing to take the risk or a chance on someone who looks like me. Um, does racism exist in our industry? 100%. I don't think that at this point, you know, right now being a, a, a black barber or stylist, you know, it's uh, it's hard being shiny. You know, I can't tell you how many people have been like, hey, I need you. I need you. Would you do this? Would you do that? And, you know, fortunately, I have mentors that coach me through these things because this is all new to me. You know, when I was out on, on the circuit and I'm teaching in classes and stuff like that, I would have people look at me like, why are you here? How are you afforded the opportunity to be here when you're not working for X, Y, and Z or, or, or this company or that company? Well, it's because I bring value, you know, and, and unfortunately, some of it doesn't seem very genuine, to be honest. Some of it is like, you know, this guy has a certain level of popularity. If I can align myself with him, then maybe I'll look cool. You know what I mean? So I'm, I'm, I'm actually being very, very particular on platforms that I choose. But also, I also know through talking to my mentors that the time, that, like this whole thing is very time sensitive because in a few months, the Black Lives Matter and 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 some of the changes and adjustments that we need in our industry, it's going to dissolve. I don't think that the basis of a lot of companies come from the African-American dollar, so they don't see the value in it. They don't see the value in having someone who looks like you and who looks like me that could potentially help to grow the business because now they don't see just a white face. They see a mixture of people. That's just kind of you know, kind of been my story. But, you know, my mom, all, my mom and dad always, you know, kind of coached my brother and my sister and I to not pull the race card. Don't ever, you, you work hard, you know, to be the best, you must stand the test for hard work and only hard work pays off. I live by that. That's kind of like my creed. I just continue to work and work and outwork people and come up with new ideas and be innovative in, in my techniques and my, and, and, and my growth and my prayers are that at some point, someone will look at me, not for the color of my skin, but for the value that I could bring to the marketplace and say, you know what, that's the guy that I want to hire because he's going to do the right thing. Because at the end of the day, it's not about who's right. It's about what's right. Well, amen. <laughs> that was very well said. It's like, I appreciate your, your honesty and, you know, to a certain degree, vulnerability, you know, just in sharing that because I, I you, you know, it's powerful. You know what? It's it, it's you know what? It's uh it's a very tough conversation to have when you've been faced with with so much disappointment and and knowing that you've been doing the right thing and knowing that you've been posting the right stuff. Like I can't tell you how long sometimes it takes for me to come up with content because I want to make sure it's not condescending to one race or the other. I want to make sure that it's sending a message that's coming from my heart, not from what I think is cool. It's hard to look people in the face sometimes knowing that the opportunity that you should have had for whatever reason, you can't even explain to me or respond to an email, you've given this other opportunity to somebody else, but you want to shake my hand and, and things like that. And luckily, I've been raised in a, in a Christian household where I've been known to turn the other cheek. 
and, and continue to do what I know is right in my heart and not necessarily what's in my mind. Because if I do something that's in my mind, then I'll be, oh, he's an angry black man. So of course we can't hire him. Yeah. You know, it's almost like a, a driving thing where you have all the little cones somewhere and you've got to kind of <laughs> navigate, you know, it's like this cone and it's like, okay, well, I can't the gauntlet, it like, it's, <laughs> it's like the gauntlet on MTV is like, <laughs> you know what? And, 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 and I'm, I, I, I love that analogy because being a black barber stylist in an industry that really puts an emphasis on showing very Euro optics, it's hard. You got to jump. You got to crawl sometimes. You got to swing. You got to, you know, there's, there's a lot of different things you have to do just to get in. But here's the thing. I'm going to use platforms be, not not necessarily because I want to, is because I feel like I have to. Like I feel like the the work that 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 my grandfather put in years and years ago when he was a sharecropper and had eight children to 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 raise, and how he he sent all eight children to college, the ones that wanted to go, on one salary. My my grandmother never worked. All of my my mother's brothers and sisters are educators. You know, they teach from anywhere from a high school level to the college level. And I feel it my duty, my job as a leader to 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 spread the word and to let people know we don't necessarily have to be viewed as a black barber or a black stylist. We just want to be normalized. Why can't I just be good because I'm good? Why can't I just be talented because I'm talented? I don't have to be, oh, well, you speak well for a black man. What What do you mean? What? How am I supposed to speak? My mom was a public school teacher for 33 years. She didn't allow us to use cool vernacular and hip and stuff like that. We weren't allowed to sag our pants and, and things like that. So Again, it's about people's perception. You know, sometimes for me, when I'm when I'm out on the road and I'm teaching, I wear a suit. I wear a suit because that's the level of professionalism that I want to exude, and I want other younger people and some of the old people too. They need a little heads up as well, Mickey. <laughs> that when you want to go big, you have to play big, and you can't look like someone else. You know, my students and I were watching a video the other day, and it was Robert Cromies, and he said something that I thought that was very profound. He said, "Either you'll be remembered." or you'll be forgotten. One of the reasons why I do what I do and I teach the way that I teach, which I like to kind of call myself a, a self-proclaimed edutainer, edutainer because, you know, because I understand that everybody learns differently. But one thing that I do know is that when you're having fun, while you're being educated, you retain more information. And it kind of goes with that same saying as, as far as being remembered or being forgotten. I want people to remember having this class with Roderick Samuels and how it was inspirational and how you learned about not just his successes, but his failures. Nobody posts their failures on Facebook and Instagram. Everybody's happy. You know, you got the Instagram models, everybody's showing their body, you know, things like that. But that's not who I am. And that's not what I want to portray. And and there's nothing wrong with, with being who you are. I just know that you know, sometimes when you want to work in that corporate field and you want to do things like, like that, if you change the way people look at things, the things they look at will change. So if, if, if the perception that people have of African-American males or African-American women's are a juvenile video, you know, back that ass up and, you know, gun toe in, whatever the case may be. One of the, the biggest social media secrets that a lot of these social media experts don't teach is that people believe what they see. So if you want to be that A1 barber, make sure you look like an A1 barber. If you want to be that number one stylist, you need to look that look like a number one stylist. And that and that goes for whether you black or white. 
Mm-hmm. It's the level of professionalism and a standard that we have in our industry that I, my challenge that I hope that more people strive for and, and hope for to kind of bring our industry back up. That sounds like a, a an interesting way to look at it as far as, you know, bringing the industry back up. I, I want to pivot just a little bit into Naha. And for people who don't know what Naha is, it's North American Hairstyling Awards. And I'd love for you to share a little bit more just as far as like what it is, what inspired you about it to want to compete. So, you know, I got into Naha through my wife for the longest time when when she and I were dating. She used to talk about this Naha. I want to enter Naha. I see these things. I want to enter Naha. So I'm like, okay. so I'm at the time we're courting. You know what I mean? So I'm trying to be suave and, you know, being all cool. I'm like, oh, you know, so what do you have to do? She's like, you know, you got to take three images and, you know, you you do this amazing hair and you shoot it and you submit it. So at the time, uh, one of my good friends who I used to wrestle with back in high school, he became a photographer. He shot for Vogue Italia, a couple of like uh, Southern Home, Southern Living, a couple other great magazines. And I gave him a call. I'm like, yo, I know you shoot editorial. Would you be willing to do a photo shoot for this girl that I'm dating? And he was like, oh, 100%, absolutely. So we set it up and I, and I did a collection too. And her first year entering, she got nominated as a finalist. So, you know, low key, my wife and I are very competitive and, and she got in and I, and you know, and honestly, I acted like an ass because I was like, oh, she got in, you know, I'm Roderick Samuels, you know, I, I teach all, how, how did she get in and I didn't get in, but, he, but here again, you know what, that's growth in our industry because if we're going to be together, I have to be her champion. I have to be happy for, for her success as well. And, and that's kind of where our relationship actually really, really got tight because I came to realize that her successes could also be my successes. You see what I'm saying? So fast forward four years, 2017, I enter and I become nominated as well. You know, and, and Lauren's a big dog. She's, she, you know, she's been nominated three times. She's won. So, you know, I can't get the big plaque at home yet. You know, she got huge photos of her work at the school. I got these little bitty wallet sized <laughs> things at the school. I'm like, babe, what's <laughs> I'm like, I can't get the big one. She's like, Did you win yet? <laughs> You're right. My bad. <laughs> but um, but the North American Hairstyling Awards is hosted by the Professional Beauty Association. They have it yearly. And if you had to compare it to something, it's like it's like the Oscars of hair. Every major hairdresser, hairstylist from all over the world, we compete in a photographic competition. And, you know, it's just a really, really great event. Event. We talked about networking. That's where that's where the big dogs are. You know, they, they come to those award ceremonies to see who's hot and what's next and things like that. And I think that everybody should enter at least once, you know, especially African-American barbers and stylists. Like so many times people like to emulate our entertainment they like to they like to emulate our culture they like to emulate our style but until we push that envelope and we start to enter in these competitions you know again closed mouths don't get fed so if 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 you're keeping your mouth closed and you're just looking at it from afar and you never enter you'll never know what type of opportunities you'll be able to get from that now did i win no i didn't win at all but i also think it's important to understand how to leverage those nominations. You know, I've I've been nominated in several competitions for men's hairstylists of the year. I never won, but through the networking, through 
the humility, through people seeing the value in what I bring, I've been able to 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 work with some of the largest companies out in out in the world. So I think that we got to kind of push the limit, and and in places where we feel like we're not accepted, those are the places that we need to go. Those are the places that we need to get. You know, it's kind of like having these hard conversations. You know, nobody wants to talk about it, but you see it all around you every day. So why not open your mouth and let your voice be heard? Yeah, yeah, I think it's definitely a great way to have some visibility. You know, I don't know how many submissions they get each year in the different categories or what have you, but um, I can only imagine that there's some that may not have even gotten to the nomination part, that they're still like, that person's got something special. It's like maybe Correct. we could be looking out for that person. Correct. You know, I, and, and, and you know, talking, speaking about Naha, um, my wife and I have had this conversation a long time. I remember one year that I was entering and I sent my collection to a, a, a friend of mine and I said, hey, you know, what do you think about this collection? You know, do you think I have a chance? And they were very, very upfront and honest with me. And they said, you know what, if you submit a photo of a black person, you're not going to get in. Again, one of those hard conversations and a, and a very hard pill to swallow and I think at the time, black faces weren't a thing. You know, it wasn't it wasn't the uh, standard of beauty in our industry until most of the companies saw. Wait a minute, we can make money off of curly. Mm-hmm. Hold on for a second. You mean to tell me there's a market for curly hair? That's when you started to see more African American men and women being at the forefront and getting those nominations. So you know. Just understand and know when you shoot for something like that, when you want to enter a competition, don't do it for what you think is going to win. You you create whatever you want to create from your heart. Because at the end of the day, whether you whether you win or whether you lose, you took a risk on yourself. And at the end of the day, if that doesn't make you feel good intrinsically, nothing else will. You gotta you gotta kind of push yourself to the limit and see exactly what you're made of and 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 put your work against other people. You know, it's it's nothing. Put your work against other people. See how you see how you really stand up to your peers. I think that it's it's challenging, uh, but I want to encourage you guys that it's possible. Mm-hmm. It's possible. It's necessary, and we got we got to do it, and we have to do it now. Yeah, um, and I I love competition because I think you always learn something. It pushes you to be a better in the salon stylist because your your eye gets developed to another level and your speed may get developed to another level. You know, the photography one is a little bit different than an in-person one, but nine times out of 10, what you're doing on a day-to-day basis is going to be elevated that much more because you went. It is. It is. You know, that's that's one of the reasons, you know, we we look forward to planning our shoot and, and things like that, because for us, you know, at the time we were behind the chair, you know, 12, 14 hours a day. But for us, that was our time to really express ourselves creatively Mm -hmm. and to do some of the work that we dreamed of or something that we sketched on or whatever the case may be. My wife always says, you know, even though, you know, sometimes we don't win, we don't get nominations. And listen, when we don't get nominations, we get really, we get pumped, we get powered up, you know, like, what you mean we didn't get a nomination? (laughs) You know, I'm the talker, but my my wife, she's, she's the muscle, 100%. (laughs) But you know what she says, she says all the time, she said, every time that I shoot, or every time that I create something, I don't win, I learn something. And that's the evolution of a stylist. Most of us, you know, uh, I, I think Les Brown, who's one of my favorite motivational speakers, also, you know, had a business in Detroit. He says most people, and I and I want to relate this to our industry, we raise a family, we earn a living, and then we die. 
we stop growing, we stop dreaming, we stop we stop working on ourselves, we stop trying to cultivate ourselves. And I think that especially right now in the African American community, it's really a great time to be bold and and to and to express yourself through hair and to express yourself through your creativity. Because again, people don't know what they don't know. So if you're not out there showing your work, if you're not putting it out there for for scrutiny or for people to love it, you're not making the change. You're not doing what you need to do to be visible. Yeah. And visibility means a lot these days, for sure. So tell us, I want to spend some time on the school, but before we do, it's like I really would love to hear just like a little bit of behind the scenes in the photo shoot. Like, what is that actually like (laughs) those days? I've done some and there's usually a story or two that comes up. I'm not going to get myself in trouble because I, I like being married. I want to stay married. Um, but we let's want just you say, to stay married. Yeah, no, 100. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely cheaper to keep her. Right. Um, <laughs> but you know, behind the scenes, you know, for us shooting as a husband and wife or, or as a couple, you know, it's 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 a lot of times we have very intimate moments. Um, it's a lot of time where you know we have to step away from the camera and the models, and we'll go outside, and she'll be like, "Babe." I hate what I did. And I'm like, you know what? I get it. You know what I mean? Like, I hate what I did too. And and that's the thing too. Like people, sometimes people are so hell bent on one image or one style um, where, where they lose focus on the creativity. My wife likes to call them happy accidents. So there was one time we shot um, in Charleston, South Carolina, and the place that we wanted to shoot was, it was like an old gymnasium or something like that, but it was free. It was a bunch of space. It had electricity and power, so it was fine, you know? So throughout the day, some of the models didn't show up. Some of the models didn't show up. Um, it was crazy. And then the photographer stopped, and he was like, this place is horrible. We have to go somewhere else. And I'm like, where, where, where are we going to go? So he's like, he said, follow me. So we driving down Interstate 26, in Charleston, and we go, we come to this parking garage. He was like, this is the spot. I'm like, we shooting our Naha collection in a parking garage, man? Like, it's cold, it's cement walls. Like, what are you going to do? He's like, no, I know where there's power. I know where it is. And at the time, we had our kids with us. And, you know, we our, our kids are hair babies. They've been to every hair show. They know all the big people, you know what I'm saying? So it's kind of cool. But we're shooting and the hair doesn't go well. It's, it's, it's Charleston, South Carolina, so it's super humid. So, every, so you know, Lauren is building these pieces and it's just flopping like the economy. It's going bad, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and at the time she was like, well, I just got to kind of go with it. You know what I'm saying? So, so behind the scenes, it's like you kind of kind of roll with the punches and it's not going to be perfect. No shoot's going to be perfect. And what we've learned is that when we have a shoot and it doesn't go so well, is when she gets nominated. So here's the thing: okay. <laughs> when she won the year that she won. She had that crazy killer collection with yeah. the with the with the super super tight uh, afro, the curly fro, and the one little piece of the the fringe that was sticking up. We shot that in a parking garage okay. at the aquarium in Charleston, South Carolina. <laughs> Somebody just got blessed from that story. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah! <laughs> Hallelujah! <laughs> yeah, but but you know what though? But that's the thing. I think as 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 artists and as barbers and as stylists, we have to learn to pivot. So many people, exactly. you know, it's it's kind of like the analogy my dad likes to use. It's like when when an animal grabs onto a piece of meat, and it doesn't matter if it's hot, it doesn't matter if it's if it's a lot, they still just keep holding on to it. 
but until they let go is when you can actually see those 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 blessings and 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 that favor kind of fall through and you know over the years we've just we've just learned how to pivot and it's been it's been very helpful to, to us not just in us entering competitions but also in our lives you know, sometimes, you know, we, we, we decided to shut down our salon and, you know, it was time and we didn't know exactly what we were going to do. And there was a building that was available and we just said, well, you know what, we'll just open a school. And we just kind of kind of did it. Now, it was hard. It was tough. It was toiling. But at the end of the day, when you do the right thing, that favor, those those opportunities that you need, those relationships that you develop over the years and that hair shows and networking with people, all those things came together. And now we've been in business for a year and we're shaping, you know, I like to say we're shaping heads and shaping lives. Right. We've been able, we've been, we've been blessed and, and afforded the opportunity to do that. So keep, stay on your pivot. You know, one path isn't always set. You know, a lot of people don't know I was in college for early childhood education. Mm. Yeah. I wanted to be a teacher like my mom. I was like, summer's off and I get paid. Oh yeah, I'm with that. <laughs> and, but just to, just to kind of let you know how the universe works, right? Not only was I given an opportunity to still teach after flunking out of college, but now the doors have opened up for me to even di- direct my own programs. Right, right. So remember that a blessing delayed, everybody out there that's watching right now, remember that a blessing delayed is not a blessing denied. Just keep moving forward. Keep moving forward. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be sunshine all the time. But if you just continue to keep moving forward, keep putting that left over the right and in the, in the, in the right path, anything that you want is possible. Yeah, marinate on that for a minute, everybody, because that's powerful and and we need to let it sink in. Like anything and everything, it is possible. It is. So, yeah, well, you, you mentioned the school. You mentioned coming up on the building and that wasn't even necessarily the plan. But um, I have to say, one, it's one of the most beautiful schools that I've ever seen in terms Thank of you. the decor. I don't know what you guys' schools look like, but mine didn't look anything like that. Well, you know, it's all my wife's work. Um, okay. You know, she's a superstar. Uh, all her work is up in the foyer. No, no, no I'm teasing. I'm sprinkled out there through, throughout throughout the way, but the, the school is actually my dream. You know, the salon was her dream. The school is my dream. And, and I've owned schools in the past, but when I moved from South Carolina to Detroit, it was to do a school. You know, okay. a lot of people aren't willing to take that risk and to plant that seed in, 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 in lands that we don't feel that are fertile. But I knew that coming to Detroit with my influence and some of the connections that I had throughout the industry and the relationships that I've built throughout my career, that I could lend a hand to helping to rebuild mm-hmm. the market and, and, and the excitement about being a Detroit barber or being a Detroit hairdresser. You know, um, you're from the city, you know the original hair gangsters. You got Will Williams and, and all these other great people. And Will Will is definitely a mentor of mine as well. But Detroit used to be the mecca of all hair. Like it was yeah. it was legit. When you got a hair, a haircut or a hairstyle from from the D, you was doing something, you know? And through the economy and stuff like that, things kind of fell apart. But I think that you know, low key, not even thinking about it. That's kind of what we've been doing over the last past, you know, five or six years is, you know, putting it back on the map and letting people know that Detroit is on the comeback and 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 it's coming back through great education opportunities and making sure that the next generation of barbers and stylists are equipped with the knowledge to help to continue to push the industry in the right direction. Right. 
Right. Well, talk to us about schools because, you know, we're going through this whole, you know, it's like we've done the pandemic, we're still in the pandemic, and that may continue. We don't know what that holds for us. But in the midst, George Floyd's murder has, you know, really just sparked something worldwide and it's built into the the beauty industry. And I think there's so much opportunity that our schools have to make things more inclusive, to build bonds and bridges with the people who are in the schools around the hair, obviously, in terms of the textures and learning how to do different types of hair, but also just being in that environment for, you know, what is it, mostly nine months minimum um, to get the 1,500 hours for most states, that there's some opportunities to have some conversations and really, you know, maybe elevate where people are when they come out of school in terms of what their experience is with race and with hair texture. So tell us like where your thoughts are. I think your school seems like it's really cutting edge in terms of what other schools can potentially do. Our core is all about diversity. You know, we don't see ethnicity, we see texture. So, you know, it's it's kind of it's kind of crazy. You know, when we were in the salon, you know, 90% of Lauren's clients were curly people, curly women. 90% of my clients were white males. So we kind of we kind of, you know, th- there's a paradigm shift there where, of course, you know, our experience and our education actually helped to elevate and build a su- successful salon business because we had people that can come from any walk of life. You could you could any hair texture, any hair type, but you could come to Hair Lab Detroit Salon and get a service done. So what we want to do is take that same type of model and implement that in education. So our students are taught Afro texture, they're taught straight, they're taught men, they're taught women. But on top of that, having people like Lauren and myself who have gone through it, it makes it a little bit easier for our students to be successful. I tell them all the time, we went through so you don't have to. So understanding customer service, uh, I like to call it customer service to the max, greeting your client from the time they walk in to the time that they leave, understanding that we don't cut ethnicity, we cut texture, but also having a diverse student body makes it even that much greater too. We have white, we have Hispanic, we have African-American, we have male, we have female. It's just really, really amazing. One of the things that we've started to do of lately is we do jam sessions. And, you know, Lauren is doing a demonstration tomorrow morning for our students, but it's on curlier hair. So they get to see both aspects of the industry all at one time. What I noticed in the schools, and it's something that, that, that we will not tolerate at all is when we go to other schools around the country, you see the white students only doing the white, the white clients, the black students only doing the black students, and nobody's learning anything. It's kind of, you know, one of the situations where I, 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 of course, I know what to do with my own hair, but for me to get to the next level in my career and, 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 and be this licensed barber or stylist, I need to be versatile. So, you know, what I would like to do is challenge, you know, some of the school owners and directors out there to be a little bit more flexible in your in your curriculum. And if you don't have the education to support your students, go out and get it. You got Mickey Wright, you got Shannon King, you got so many amazing artists that are out there that are more than willing to lend a hand and train your staff in, in, in textures of hair. The same with more predominantly African-American schools. When I was in, in Detroit, my students used to say, Mr. Sam's, why do we only have white educators coming in? I said, because how often do you get to cut a white head of hair? Solve the problem. You know, a lot of people bring problems, but they don't bring solutions. Right. You know, <laughs> um, so if we, if, if we notice that there's a problem, why, why am I not filling the gap with the education that I know that my students or, or practice that my students probably won't get very often? 
Mm-hmm. You know, so I think that it takes some out of the box thinking and some creativity to create a curriculum and an atmosphere that's conducive to our students being successful anywhere that they go. I hate the fact that sometimes when we go around the country and we just go to visit a barbershop or, or a salon and I'm a black guy that walks in, everybody's like, mm-hmm. who are you here to see? I'm like, nobody, really. I just came to kind of kick it. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but. There's a saying that knowledge destroys fear. And until we make sure that our students and the people we're training are knowledgeable on every hair type, every hair texture to where we can, we can, you know, do away with all race, we won't have the ultimate level of success that we need in our future professionals coming into the industry. Yeah, and I think there's so much opportunity for students to really get exposure and experience. Like you say, it's like you're good at something you already bring that to the table and it's you know I understand teachers a lot of times are overwhelmed and there's a lot to keep up with and so it's kind of the path of least resistance it's like you already kind of know how to do that so you do that person but it is an educational opportunity is an environment where they're literally spending quite a bit of money to learn and the only way that we learn is to get outside of what we already know well, you know, with a lot of educators having that attitude, what you're doing, you're, you're, you're creating bad habits for your students. You're stifling or putting a roadblock on the way to their success. A, a lot of times students, students may not want to work at the shop in the hood. They may want to work in more of a high-end salon or, or a barbershop. But without those skills, those salon owners aren't going to hire them. Exactly. They're not going to hire them. We've had several, several people, you know, when we own the salon to come in for jobs and stuff like that. And and it's it's almost like a little bit of intimidation because they want a job. They want to work for us because we're cool. And we're, we're still fairly young in the industry and our, and, our, and our space was great. But at the same time, because we were able to do every single texture of hair and they know they didn't have that kind of edu- education, they wanted to work with us. But also it was still a little bit of hesitance because they were like, well, I don't know how I'm going to fit. As owners, we're not expecting people coming right out of school to know everything, right? So, of course, we know that we're going to have to back that up with some additional training, but to not have any experience whatsoever with other textures of hair, that is a problem. And that's a problem that starts with the school owners. That's a, that's a problem that starts with the school owners hiring people fresh out of cosmetology or barber school. They did one year or two years. And we know that it takes 10,000 hours for mastery. So that 1,500 hours that these students are getting, you really think that they're able to teach another curriculum when they hadn't even gotten any shop or salon experience themselves. So I just want to make sure that the, that the educators that are out there, school owners that are out there, the, the, uh, the directors of education that are out there, make sure that you train your staff properly on all hair types and textures, not just the ones that you think is going to make you the most money. Yeah. Well, really good points. Really good points. Is there anything else that you might like to share with us? You shared a lot, (laughs) just to say that. You Um, dropped a lot of nuggets tonight. If there's anything on your heart, if there's uh, any students, because I know you have a heart for students, you know, what would you share with them or someone who may even be considering? It's like, I'm thinking about a career in cosmetology. It may even be someone who's working a full-time job who always knew that they loved hair, but they haven't made that leap because, you know, their parents said you need need to go to work, you need a degree, you need, you know, all these things. But in their heart, they're like, should I do this? This is what I really want to do. What would you say to them? 
I think uh, I think the thing that I would say to someone who is aspiring or or maybe even looking at the, the the beauty or barber industry as a second career, I think it's awesome. I think that you know uh, during the pandemic, a lot of people had a, a lot of time to sit and think, and a lot of time to sit and think about some of the things that they wanted to do, but they never had an opportunity to do. You know, things get in the way, life, children, marriage, divorce, whatever the case may be. But I think that, you know, right now is a very prime opportunity for someone who wants to come into the industry to jump in. It's one of those things where if you really want to be successful in this industry, you can't have one foot in and one foot out. You got to go all in. You know, it's, it's really kind of all or nothing. I know that for me, my first career path was to become a, a, a teacher in the public school system. And, you know, my sister recommended, she's like, well, you know, you, you, you cut hair, you know, at home and with the football team and wrestling, why don't you go to barber school? And I'm like, mm, I don't know. But at the time, my mom was like, well, either you're going to go in the army or the military, or you need to find a job doing something because you ain't going to stay your black tail up in here like that. Right. You know? <laughs> so having that push to do it was incredible. And um, I'm coming up on my 23rd or 24th year of doing this. And it's been, it's been great because I've only worked for myself. I've only worked for myself for all these years. And not a lot of people can actually say that. I never really thought that I had the entrepreneurial spirit or drive, but sometimes I think that the universe puts you in certain situations where, you know, you, you, you have to show as well as prove. So for those of us that may be questioning, you know, whether or not this is something that's, that's amazing to do or, or something that's good to do, kind of coming into an industry that is in some way, shape, or form kind of recession-proof. Whether, you know, some if somebody can't come in and get a full haircut, they'll get a lineup and a shave. If somebody can't get a relaxer or, or, or something like that, they'll come in and they'll get a press. You know what I'm saying? So regardless of what the situation is, people are always going to make money. And, and here's the thing. Look at what's happening now. You can't get an appointment anywhere at any shop or salon in the country. So that's that's a plus, right? That's a plus, and it's going to continue to to be like this for a very long time. The other thing that I wanted to tell people that may be aspiring to come into this industry too, unfortunately, there's a lot of people that's leaving our industry post-COVID. Their businesses weren't structured to where they can get unemployment insurance, and they're figuring it's just easier just to go and find a regular job. I'm sad about that, to be honest, you know, to see people leave the industry. But wow, it opens up so many doors for future professionals and people that are coming to the industry. So do it. Just do it. You know, like I said earlier in our in our program, opportunities don't go away to go to somebody else. Mm-hmm. So while you have an opportunity to do it, I think that now is, is prime is prime time to do it. And um, and if I can help you out in any way, please, you know, I'm on Instagram, I'm on Facebook, it's Roderick Samuels. Uh, reach out to me. And the only time that I'm looking down on somebody is to help them up. Wow. Well, that is well said. I'm really um, excited to have spent this time with you. And yeah. Um, there, I mean, there's a lot. I, I usually take notes, but I've just been kind of like glued in. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I will be going back through this, kind of calling out little bits and pieces and that type of thing. But you really shared some things with us that I think are just enlightening and give us a different perspective. And again, I appreciate your courage and, and vulnerability and just sharing, you know, all the pieces, the ups and the downs and the ins and the outs. And thank you. Um, yeah, and I obviously applaud all of the successes that you have. I think you're definitely an inspiration and continue to you know motivate and, and really shaping, like you say, the lives of 
this future generation. So I'm not tired yet. Okay. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <amazing>. <laughs> I'm not tired yet. I, I still, I still got some stuff to do. So I'm going to just keep working at it. And, and hopefully that, you know, if, if there's people out there that's listening right now, you know, just know, you know, for the, the African-American stylist, we don't have to be labeled. We just want to be barbers and stylists. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great place to end because I think that really sums it up. You know, people are wondering companies and are scrambling and that type of thing. It's like, what do we need to do? It's like, just include us. <laughs> just, in, you know what? Just include us and just listen. Right. Two ears, one mouth. Exactly. 100%. So thank you so much. Thanks to everybody that joined us. Thank you guys for joining in. I love you guys. Continue to, to push push our industry forward. And again, just know that, you know, in whatever capacity that myself, and I'm sure this speaks for Mickey as well, if we can help you out, we're here. Yes, absolutely. And I'm going to continue to do these interviews and just celebrate the excellence that's in our industry. So I really appreciate you and want to say thanks again to everybody who joined us. And we'll look forward to seeing you next time. And, you know, do have upcoming class for, you know, Roderick spoke really well to the pandemic affected a lot of us. And this is called Where's Your Money, Honey, in 2020, because we got to <laughs> get that money straight. Dollar, dollar bill, y'all. Yep, exactly. <laughs> so it's time to get our money straight. I'll leave info for you guys to get information and sign up. Don't want to miss out and really want to get yourself positioned because, you know, who knows what's coming up and we need to make sure that we're ready. That's right. So, well, thanks again. And I will look forward to seeing you guys later. Have a fair All right. Thank you guys for watching. Y'all have the best weekend. Stay safe. Make sure you sanitize your hands. Exactly. Yeah. And, <laughs> and make sure you wear the masks. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. So take good care. Tell Lauren hello for us. Sure will. <laughs> we'll see you soon.